HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words and Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway, and we're back from a brief little vacation where I did some book touring. And I'm so excited to have uh, my guests on today are Patrick Martins and Mike Edson, who wrote a book. Um, it is The Carnivore's Manifesto. They're also, well, Patrick is the founder of Heritage Radio Network and Heritage Foods USA. Mike is the host of The Mike and Judy Show here on Heritage. Um, and so, you know, we've got some veteran radio show folks and food folks. How many years of radio are in this room right now? <laughs> so I'm six. So, uh, uh, I'm right, five and a half. Five. Just right here on the show. I think today is episode 160 for us. Cool. So we're still kind of like 11. That. That's almost uh, 16 years of radio. Wow. There we that's go. Impressive. Yeah. And you and you've An got actual books. human experience between you and I, Patrick. Hundreds. Hundreds, hundreds. How many books under our belts collectively now? Oh, that's a good question, uh, too. Well, congratulations on two. your book. Mazel Tov. Book book <laughs> yeah, well, I, I wrote 28 pornographic novels yeah. before, I, before I went legit. That's 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 And magazines, true. too. Magazines, but, um, but yeah, the, the porn, you know, I mean, Cindy's Brutal Ordeal, Rich Man Sex Toys, a Cynthia Class Virgin, those were mine. No, let's say honest Very, honest very versatile God Renaissance folks but, here. Um, <laughs> this was my only one. The only yeah. other books I was affiliated with were those slow food restaurant guides, but I just edited them. Pa- Patrick has now officially read more, written more books than he has read. <laughs> well, this yes, is, that's true. Uh, you know, if you're going to do one book, you know, this is, it is a manifesto. It is so important, too. Um, Are you calling me a communist? Uh, no. <laughs> well, that's what it's called. Yeah. Okay. Um, it has a juicy piece of steak on a fork. Um, you know, it's it's a very defiant book, and it's a very authoritative book. Um, and only, you know, you two could write this because you've been so close to these issues for so long. I want to talk That's a little... Well put. Thank That's, you. Yeah. You know, it sounded, you sounded like Princess Leia there, like yeah. in, in Star Wars when she says, Vader, only you could be so bold. <laughs> 
And that's yeah. that's it, Patrick. Only you, you could be so bold. I like that you also say Patrick is also Patrick is my father. <laughs> I will chop off your arm if you keep talking. <laughs> Did this happen when Carlo Petrini and Alice Waters were here? Okay, because I want to talk a little bit about the impact of this book because I rarely get guests on who have a book that has been out for almost a year now. Um, and you guys did some extensive touring. So in the year since, uh, we had Alice Waters and Carlo Petrini come here for a special um, just live event here at the, Heritage. To celebrate the 25th anniversary of the founding of Slow Food. It, it was amazing. Uh, you can listen to that on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. And um, we also saw some, you know, some changes in the food world. I want to talk a little bit about insights you've learned on through this book, um, impact that we've seen. Um, I can just say in the last year, you know, we saw McDonald's vow to use only non-antibiotic or antibiotic-free chicken mm-hmm. in the future. That's an interesting. Great, great yeah. achievement for all mankind almost. <laughs> when McDonald's makes a move like that, that's just a good thing. Yeah, it's a step in the right direction. What I gleaned from a lot of the book that uh, a lot of the stuff you're writing in the book is that, you know, it's not about making an overnight change or being the perfect consumer. Right. It's about applauding the right steps in the mm-hmm. right direction. I had three bacon, egg and cheese right. sandwiches this morning. I have no idea where the bacon's from, nor do I want to know. It's really good to know that. Well, no, it's true. To every life, a uh, Snickers bar must fall. You know, a club mm-hmm. sandwich of turkey of uh, unknown origin. It's going to happen. We live in New York. It's just not practical to right. try to live in some hippie utopia of 100% organic. It's just, it's just not, not, not going to happen. And this is a practical manifesto mm-hmm. um, for the everyday you know, person right now. So I wanted to hear like, what you think were some of the most important steps that you've seen that you want to applaud um it doesn't have to be in the last year maybe the last five years or so oh that's a good question i mean some of the uh things that most excite me well i like that little brown gave me this book opportunity uh-huh. the word tetwar was tetwar. officialized it's the terroir of the oh. mind Tetoir, that's French for head. And so there's also knowledge yeah. in people and in skills and in hands and in the artisan. Of course. And that art form usually transfers from one artist directly to another. That's hands-on. You can't really – we could, I suppose, learn it in a book. But mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, when we became an industrialized society, we basically severed so many – I think millennial lines of building Mm -hmm. carpentry and all this stuff that got broken. Uh, The people who did it are still alive, though. And I think there's like a renaissance in appreciating those old, simple skills. That is fantastic. Tetoir. It is uh, as terroir is to the land, terroir is to the mind. Mm -hmm. But Patrick said it's really um, a cultural breeding ground and an intellectual breeding ground. And certainly here in uh, Brooklyn, uh, USA, New York City, I mean, there's more talent here probably per square foot than any place mm-hmm. in the world. And um, I mean, certainly there's a tetwar here at Roberta's. Yes, um, absolutely. And I think uh, a lot of times it's not about something happening and for, you know, a big thing. It's just something continuing to grow. And I think the Brooklyn food scene and, and, and young people opening just to make a vodka or mm-hmm. just to make a cocktail bar or mm-hmm. just to make a delicious homegrown bagel, you know, or <clears throat> ice cream. You know, uh, I I kind of think that there's a return almost to the little house on the prairie. Do one thing really well. True. And you'll carve out a niche, uh, you know, in a life or a family or a few families even. And And inspire other people while you're doing it. Yeah. So it's not about like this lightning bulb moment and a transformation. But like it's not like a la 
bravado winner. It's mm-hmm. just that this movement's growing. There's more food trucks. Uh, I mean, when I toured around with Carlo, we would have real trouble knowing where to go in a lot of small towns in Arkansas. Now, yeah. every university town has a a legitimate, you know, Michelin rateable even restaurant. There's totally. in all these little towns, and I think a lot has happened since slow food started I, and Chez Panisse. And I see, you know, I see that in restaurant menus more and more, um, like sharing the origins of ingredients or the terroir, mm-hmm. um, leading to more terroir, hopefully, yes, <laughs> a exactly. growing consciousness. They cross pollinate. Yeah. So, what was it like on the road? Were you speaking with a lot of people that were very new to these concepts? Were you? What was it like? How did people receive this book? We went into a tough zone Mm -hmm. to talk about national issues. So you went inside McDonald's and held conferences now. (laughs) Even worse, (laughs) Portland. (laughs) Yeah, I played my guitar inside a butcher shop. Okay. You also, we spoke at a Russian Orthodox, a Greek Orthodox uh, monastery. Serbian. Serbian Orthodox. Serbian Orthodox. We and both you, bought an image there, remember, it's, it's, it's of the uh, saint Saint Seraphim, of course, who could talk to the animals. Bears walked with him. Um, that's right, and we played frisbee with the priest. This was yeah. a good tour. This was not your average book tour. I Did don't you know. guys have fun? Was this your, I have fun everywhere I go, Kathy. Yeah, and that's what it seems like. Um, you know, you guys infuse a lot of like energy into a topic that could be just like it seems like you know very scholarly. Um, but you take a totally different approach. I, I think, you know, part of the idea of the concept of this book, and Patrick and I both are fortunate enough to sort of have inherited some of the counterculture of the 1960s, and we're, you know, we like pranksterism, and we like, you know, we like to have fun, we think that being positive, and, you know, this is not supposed to be homework, mm-hmm. and if you really want people to get tuned in, it, it should be fun, it doesn't necessarily need to be so silly and so far out that we don't get taken seriously, mm-hmm. um, which is the, you know, uh, absurd end result of a lot of protest movements, but um, but absolutely, this was sort of a magical meat tour. That's how we kind of <laughs> wanted to get people, you know, on board with us, and it works. I mean, why not? A little music, a little song, a little dance. It's a little comedy central, you know, but it's talking about a very important issue. Um, I mean, the book was basically, you know, people are always asking the same question: Should we eat meat? Shouldn't we eat meat? And the answer is, we do. You know, uh, people say, uh, what are the about? the negative environmental consequences. We're eating the meat anyway. Even if we ate half, it would still be a tremendous amount. Um, You know, a lot of people ask, can this type of farming feed the world? And uh, Michael Pollan's answer to that question is the current system is not, you know, feeding the entire world. So People are starving. So why are we being asked to answer such a long-term, massive, cosmic question Mm -hmm. when we're just talking about one success story at a time? So, you know, we wanted to write a book for one, like the disciples of Peter Singer, mm-hmm. you know, with, he was the greatest vegetarian manifesto ever written. Um, he wrote Animal Liberation. Mm-hmm. He was basically against uh, factory farming mm-hmm. and experimentation on animals. So it turned a lot of people into vegetarians. Yeah. But uh, now, 30 years later, with small family farms and dairies that have male goats and all these kind of organic, beautiful things... We need to find a way. How do we embrace that? Right. Also knowing that we slaughter 10 billion livestock That was a an year. amazing quote. Yeah. That's a lot. 10 billion animals so just sh- for America. So I think the best way to, to eat less meat is to avidly throw yourself into mm-hmm. local farms, heritage breeds, and uh, spend more money. That mm-hmm. I mean, we have to get over the fact, you know, no one should be tacitly defending the dollar value meal at McDonald's. <laughs> That's not a good thing. Cheap meat is not good for anyone. Mm-hmm. And they shouldn't be eating meat then. 
fruits yeah. and vegetables, those types of staples, grains, that's a different story. We're just speaking for me. What about supply? Oh, go ahead, Mike. Well, I was going to say, you know, we have this great one-star review on Amazon. It's very... <laughs> I, I know the guy would have given us, like, like negative very 20 stars. Had they would have let us. But the guy says, I bought this book because I needed something to club my vegan friends over the head with to convince them why they should eat meat. And I found nothing of that sort in this book. <gasps> well, and it, no. it goes on. There's a great review. It goes on. Okay. It must be like... It, uh... must be, it must be a 3,000-word review. <laughs> it's really... It's incredible. <laughs> It's, inc- it's longer than like any single chapter, any single five chapters in our book. But we don't try to get anyone. Exactly, to eat meat. that's it's yeah. not our it's thing. Not it's not our mission. We eat meat, and that's that why that very so. smart for Patrick to you know co-opt that and own that really right at the beginning. We eat meat, and that's not going to be the conversation. The conversation is how do we do it better? How right. do we, as people who do eat meat, how do we improve our lives? And if. Uh, the only alternative were to eat factory farmed meat and animals that were treated cruelly and jacked to the fucking teeth with chemicals, then maybe vegetarianism would be our choice as well. Actually, we maybe do have this is the greatest vegetarian right. manifesto ever written because it's <laughs> anti-factory just, farming. Right, right. I'm, I'm just surprised that somebody would not respond to that. Who, somebody who was looking for whatever he was looking for to prove to his vegan friends. I mean... Well, I'll be honest with you. I think, I think part, of, part of it and, um, is you know, there's a big slab of meat on the cover of this book and it's, mm-hmm. a, bit, uh, it's, a, bit, it's a bit caveman for my taste, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, we would actually have chosen a smaller portion. <laughs> some maybe, maybe, maybe a better cut. Kimchi. Um, <laughs> but it just seems... It, it's, it screams kind of like you know, this caveman kind of XY testosterone, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of meat vibe, which is I so see. not what it we're really been, about. It should have been a disciple Peter Singer's. You know, I, I work with Dave, uh, I'm honored to work with mm-hmm. Dave on the Museum of Food and Drink, mm-hmm. and I got to meet Peter Singer uh, at one of these panels, and he said to me that our farming is, if that was the way people ate meat, he probably wouldn't think the, that he wouldn't even no. have a farming chapter. He would just have had a chapter almost <laughs> on the you know experimentation for shampoo and things like that. <laughs> so to hear that from Peter Singer, that 99% of uh, what he fights for is answered by this type of farming. Mm-hmm. You know, we shouldn't get bogged down by chatty Cathy's, no offense. No, just, uh, you know, who just talk <laughs> about a solution. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we need to actually get adamantly into things. And I'm amazed, and Mike and I were talking about this, no one, no great entrepreneur is like opening five slaughterhouses in the Bronx for the entire local food scene. You don't really hear about that in any city. And that's always struck me as strange that there's so little investment in the biggest demand. bottleneck of the meat world. Yeah. In some ways, it's as far as uh, inside baseball we really get with you know sustainable food is slaughterhouses, which is a problem. Mm-hmm. There aren't enough slaughterhouses, um, which Patrick said is a bottleneck. But largely, this book is not so detailed. It's not if you want to start a farm. It's not what this book yeah. is either. I mean, most of the things I'm, you know, I'm not going to start a slaughterhouse, Patrick. But, Although there is a letter to a farmer. But there is a letter to a farmer. But there's also a chapter written by a goat and another one written by yeah. a, a goat. A foul-mouthed goat. <laughs> yeah, That's I, right. Yeah, I, did, I, did the audio, I read the audio book yeah. for uh, the Carnivore's Manifesto, uh-huh. and of course I did have to read the cow in the voice of the cow. <laughs> By the way, Ted Turner, he, he did that kind of stuff. But the goat's real, <laughs> real obnoxious. I'm the animal behind your Fifth Avenue cashmere, which grows under my chinny-chin-chin. Did you ever wonder where that mohair sweater comes from, that ma bit of couture that keeps you warm and looking sharp in the winter? I am your farm's MVP. I'm famous for helping <laughs> other animals. Yep. 
I can break out of a barn ago. during a fire because I paid attention during the safety presentation and remembered where the exits are. The rest of the animals rely on me to save their sorry butts. You know, that's really good, actually. <laughs> My breeds Swapping. are famous and noble and honorable and celebrated, yeah. and this is the heritage food side of it. These are the breeds of goat that exist. Arapa, San Clemente, Tennessee Fainting, Nigerian Dwarf, Oberhasli, La Mancha, Nubian, Toggenberg, Sain, Pygmy, Kiko, Scandinavian Ridgeback Mountain, and Boar. Like, that's a real patrimony, and we always kind of joke, and I know your show does do recipes, but, like, the world needs more breeds. varieties, yeah. Yeah, or breed-specific descriptors of their Mm -hmm. tastes and their purpose and their seasons and how they're best treated, you know, versus recipes. We need to be looking at the ingredient of the meat. We can't just call it meat. Mm-hmm. We should be yeah. saying you need the the Katahdin lamb leg because it's very light and low in lanolin, and it you know it's a, it's to be eaten in March or April, you know, and that yeah, way I'm, people I'm seek sure it out. Mean, you see, you look at the New York Times and you see you know you know Mark Bittner, whoever it is, you see a recipe by someone who was supposedly enlightened, mm-hmm. and it just says you know one quarter pound you know chuck or chuck, like, yeah, or, like yeah. or like twelve ounce skirt steak with no indication. Yeah, is it grass fed? Is it Piedmontese? Like, is like, it tender? Don't is go it... to Met Food and buy it there because it's not well, going to be good. God, it's so limited. All, you know, all too, skirt but... steaks are not created equal. Yeah. And also local farms. They could name the farm it is. I mean, if they go mm-hmm. to the Meat Hook or, or, or Dixon's Farm Stand Meats, those are all great. And they say, we get it from, you know, whatever, uh, Foster right. Farm. The information and, is there somewhere, but it's just totally not. And, and chickens not are, for meat, only right. for vegetables. Like you're talking mm-hmm. about McDonald's, you know, making that move, which is great. But it's actually relatively easy um, to, I mean, a lot of supermarkets, um, I mean, it's neighborhood supermarkets, not, you know, fancy or food or boutique, you know, grocery shops. You can get a decent, you know, chicken Murray's locally. I like, I like the Murray's chicken, you know, but you don't have to get Purdue. There are more alternatives. Yeah, just don't do Purdue. Oh, God, and anyone so who gross. argues. Yeah. Even my cat won't eat that <laughs> shit anymore. The, I mean, the seriously. Cheap food. It looks like water to me, like a water balloon. Oh, it's mealy and it's got no <laughs> flavor to it. Well, you know, I said this book. You're just eating the cruelty of like thousands of dead birds. It's really terrible. I told you this book was written for the Peter Singer. Uh, of old, but you know, um, also it's written for the Burger King guy, mm-hmm. you know, and a turkey cannot cost, uh, you know, 79 cents a pound. Right. And obviously, it's a loss leader. You know, a lot of poultry companies have turkeys and they just don't need to make money on it, but mm-hmm. you should be holding that turkey. That 20-pound turkey to the same standards of McDonald's, mm-hmm. which is you go to McDonald's, you unless you do the dollar meal, you know, you usually spend five, six bucks. Well, the turkey costs about seven, eight dollars mm-hmm. per person, per portion. So this most important meal, and to argue for the dollar turkey just doesn't make sense. People should then eat a quinoa salad and it'd it, it be exquisite or something, something else, but... Um, Everything has a place, you know, in, in the meal. It just has to cost more. Right. Meats have to cost more. Everyone knows it. And those uh, big factory farms should just have to up their prices. Mm-hmm. They won't do as much business, but they probably make more profit or the same. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to cut to a quick little break. I know there's so much more to talk about, but uh, we'll be right back chatting more with Patrick Martins on the Carnivores Manifesto. Thanks so much, Mike, for being here. You are listening to Kill Me in the Summertime by Dead Stars. This is Eat Your Words on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast Regional Forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. This is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's, and you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. All right, we're back chatting more with uh, Mike Itzen and Patrick Martin's on the Carnivores Manifesto. Um, so we were talking a little bit about slaughterhouses and how there's mm-hmm. there could be more of them. Yes. Um, you know, everyone says, well, can Heritage Foods, you know, or Slow Food support the world? But what are some of the... I guess, you know, we talked a little bit about the challenges, but what are some of the great, like, improvements in that system? Obviously, you run Heritage Foods USA, which is a distributor, so mm-hmm. more people can get access even online for Heritage Foods um, and meats. But have we seen the number of farmers producing this meat grow? Is there a supply, like, um, increase? Well, they're all united by, under the umbrella, I think, of gastronomy. Mike mm-hmm. and I were always big believers that this is all under the umbrella of gastronomy. And people are starting eating. to seek mm-hmm. out eating. Eating. It's not like That's oil an elite way it. of putting but it. But it's very <laughs> fundamental. I mean, I mean, what, I mean, you put it in your mouth. I mean, what could possibly be more personal? By the way, the greatest <laughs> gastronomies always come from the poorest people. Right, so right. So it is the absolutely, yeah. Peasant. And also, it's, it's yeah, gastronomy is definitely a, a thing that needs to be seen more as like a science, a discipline. Right, right. It's not just a style. Mm-hmm. It's actually part of cultures and, you know, connects to hunger and, you know, big things, millennia, genetics, you know, mm-hmm. are predisposed to want to eat certain foods and, you know, the stuff runs deep. So, uh, so yeah, uh, there so. are many more companies than under that. You know, the whole local butcher scene. Yes, the Meat Hook, uh, which just got one star in the New York Times for their sandwich shop. Mm-hmm. Dixon's, Fleischer's. You know, that exists in New York. I know on the West Coast, there are all these butchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, a colleague of mine named Anya Fernald is owns Bel Campo or runs Bel Campo. They're a vertically integrated slaughterhouse farms and also now retail outlets to make sandwiches and stuff. So this stuff is happening. And I think young people are leaving college and saying, I want to work in. The yeah. Field. I just want to yeah. do that one thing. Like we were talking right. about earlier in the show, that one thing really well, I'm going to raise goats or I'm going to make a great goat cheese, or I'm going to make the best uh, hops for mm-hmm. a brewery in the city, things like that. So is that elite, though? I know this is like the biggest yeah. question. Patrick, you, you people to. should eat this you, way. You elitist, Patrick. You know, it's Patrick, funny. why aren't you an elitist? Tell us. <laughs> why? Why not? Hey, here's the thing. I get this get a lot. Get off my alligator skin shoes. I swear <laughs> to God, if you touch them again, Mike. You know, like I write a lot about cook, home cooking, and some people accuse that of elitist. 
um, because they don't have time. And, what like, could be less elitist than cooking at home? Oh, what? No, no, no. You people, have the luxury to cook at home. That means you got to shop. Exactly. Don't you? Don't you work for a living? Of course. Right. You have the leisure time. You have a big, beautiful kitchen. You have the time. Mostly is the is the issue. And it's mm-hmm. like it's not cooking's fault. But your recipes weren't so complicated. No, yeah. and that's you know. But that's the thing. But uh, you know, just I'm trying thing. to debunk the 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 thought that it, it's very time consuming. But um, I, I think just time in itself um, is seen as an elite thing. I mean, of course, nobody's pointing fingers at TV and saying TV's elite because that sucks up your time. Well, we've learned to micromanage even the smallest segments of time. I go ballistic Mm -hmm. if I just miss a red light, you know, a green mm-hmm. light, a yellow light. Well, oh, that's where we are now because everything is so hyper-fragmented, hyper. you know, and, you know, in, in this world <laughs> we, we live in, things are flying so fast. But listen, the, the most viable resource in the universe is not gold, it's not diamonds, you know, mm-hmm. it, it is time. Right. I mean, that is one finite motherfucker. I mean, you're going to no. run out of it. You will run out of I it. I think and that, there's a lot of, yeah. I, well, the, I think that there's now a, a little bit of a fear to passionately go into leisure. We're mm-hmm. always worried about calories. Everything is micromanaged. So I'm just one of the chapters calls for feasting mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just going all out. No, you can get dr- as drunk as you want. <laughs> Husbands, wives, yes, your loved one will get drunk and plastered and shouldn't, you know, <laughs> cannot drive home. You have to take the subway. That's good. It has to happen like that right. every now and then. And yet I think now we're micromanaging everything. And so we're always trying to be the bee. Right. The, not the A or not the C, the B. And I'm arguing for sometimes the A and sometimes the C. Uh-huh. You know, and with gastronomy, it comes to that. Sometimes you have to really go out, like so, you say. So is there, like, any, like, kind of condensed f- response that you have when people say this um, this heritage meat is elitist? Um, you know, is there is there a way to... I think there is. Yeah? <laughs> well, it's just, like, then you have to look at what else you're arguing for. And the animals that end up being argued for because they're cheaper are, you know, have been fed low doses of antibiotics in their food since they're born. That's really a fact of factory farming. They say no hormones, but almost none of them say no antibiotics. Mm -hmm. And why? Why do they need low doses of medicine? It's partially because they never get to see the light of day. They're raised in, in barns where the lights never get turned off. That's part of it. But also the genetics. They have actually gotten really good at breeding profitable animals. And mm-hmm. some of those animals grow to be unhealthy mm-hmm. and even minorly injured. Like wings are just too fat. And that makes for good profits. But those birds truly suffer on a genetic level. So mm-hmm. I always wondered who we were arguing, you know, and I think that elitist argument kind of presumes that that should be eaten by anybody. Right. And the answer is it should be eaten by nobody. Absolutely. So elitist is like the, I guess that's like just the wrong question or like the meat, wrong, it's not meat. the bigger issue. Right. When it comes to. For the meat, we should be eating more veg- but also, vegetables. But also we should be eating more vegetables and we should be eating you know better meat, but also people across all Socio, you know, economic, you know, you know, everybody in the world should be eating better meat. Mm-hmm. You know, to advocate for this cheap meat and this agri, you know, this big ag, you know, and factory farm, you know, poison is to say that what poor people eat doesn't matter. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the elitism. So we have a little more time left, but we talked about some steps that were made that you guys enjoyed seeing, you know, happening in the last few years. What are some realistic, practical steps that you think? 
could happen and should happen you would like to see happen in the very near future? Well, I would like people to uh, listen to that one section that we kind of jokingly put together, which is if you don't shop at five places for your food, Mm -hmm. you're probably not part of the sustainable food movement. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I would love to see a strengthening of the local ties. Right. Also, when a restaurant does do good things, like really great things, sustainable, it tastes good. Also, the meats are really good. Go there often. Mm -hmm. You know, new places, that's awesome. Support them. Yeah, keep going back to those same places. uh, As we like to say, the bartender will remember the way you like your cocktail. The waitress will know that you you like sparkling water. You need to have an relationship with your local you know, people like Patrick yeah. says, you can't just eat, you know, at uh, Whole Foods, God forbid, but, you know, or Fairway, whatever. You can't just shop there and think that you're being part of the movement. You really need to go see your baker and your you know, and your butcher and your fishmonger and your produce shoes, guy, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and, and like even well, if it's four blocks extra, that mm-hmm. is the that's how, you sustain, cool. that's how you sustain this. Cool. That's the simplest uh, answer. Support a CSA. You're walking four blocks at a certain time of the week to pick up your thing. That extra effort and, and keeps the, acres in play. And the thing is, you get rewarded with this. I mean, mm-hmm. when, when, you know, I have a relationship with, um, you know, my, my butcher, I mean, I'm getting better cuts of meat. He knows me. Right. You know, I, I benefit in every possible way <laughs> when I have a relationship with, with my bartender. He can see me coming through the door and know exactly what, I, more what I need. And then but also, you, you know, I mean, I mean, Patrick married his cheesemonger. <laughs> um, well, your best, uh, but, I loved, uh, this is, uh, I have to say, Mike played a big uh, <clears throat> part in this. I've said it before. What could be more intimate than putting something in your mouth, whether it's pink like a veal chop or sweet and wet like a domestic vermouth? (laughs) Be loyal to those who give you the real love, and you will enter a dome of locally sourced pleasure that Coleridge could have only dreamed of. That's fantastic. Oh, That's poetry. That was, I wrote that. That was good. That was really good. <laughs> I swear I didn't get paid enough. Well, that fortunately, whole book is like that. All the yeah. chapters are two pages long, three pages long, and my wife did some beautiful drawings in it. It is really an amazing book. And, and there's a um, quote on top of each chapter. Uh, yep. And Mike uh, really found that out. So I'm going to pull one out and hope that it's not easy okay, let's being end, green. Let's, let's try to pick a really good one to yeah, end off with. These are very astute, though. There's Walt Women. If you yeah. are what you eat, then you're fast, cheap, and easy. <laughs> <laughs> How many bacon, egg, and cheeses did you have today, Patrick? <laughs> and, and, you know, fortunately, these steps are things that, that I enjoy, personally. You know, getting to know my makers, and mm-hmm. uh, of I course. can't see why it, anyone it, wouldn't. It, it's more pleasurable. There's mm-hmm. a huge pleasure component in this. I mean, this is not just to assuage some sort of liberal Ooh. guilt we have. I mean, mm-hmm. there, your life will actually be better if you do these things. Kathy, I picked one, too. Let's okay, see if we pick the same one. Okay. Action is the foundational key to all success. Pablo Ooh. Picasso. Very nice. I picked a Churchill one. We... Make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Give give your uh, small producer four extra blocks on foot. Oh. And you will you will be happy. Well, time flies like an arrow, thanks and so fruit much, flies like everyone. a banana. Wait, 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 wait! We cannot end there, guys. We got way too much going on. This is your executive director, oh my God, it's Aaron the of God. Fairbanks. <laughs> Hello, Aaron. Chiming Hi, it's me, in. Mike. Is I couldn't help. You guys were painting such a lovely picture of ways to make the food system and our world and our lives better. And I wanted to jump in because we are in the midst of a Kickstarter campaign right now to rebuild the website she's not canceling the main course thank god (laughs) eat your words main course you guys are safe no worries there Um, arts and seizure not so much she didn't say it about you sorry mike Arts and Seizures, I'm saving something very special for you coming up 
next. Oh. So definitely stay tuned for that. But I want to. We have wrestlers on our show today, Aaron, and that that should bring in a lot of dough. <laughs> Pizza dough. They're very yeah. hungry. In fact, I'm going to go babysit some professional wrestlers right now. I'll see you guys in 20 minutes back, back here at Art we'll Caesar. Patrick, Arts you're coming back. All right. All right. Thanks, All right. Buddy. Patrick's going to join me in 20 minutes. Art Caesar's Kathy, thank you very much. Thanks so much, Mike. Okay. Now, God, Aaron, I mean, you may continue. What's with the new website, Kickstarter? <laughs> All right. So, well, uh, if you visit our website before, you might have been uh, frustrated by. Uh, trying to find shows uh, with all the great authors that Kathy's had on. And so one of our goals with the uh, redesign is to make the stuff you want to find easier to do a better job of letting Kathy give you more of the great stuff she's got going on. You might not know she just published a book. Um, and on the new website, you'll be able to visit her host page and get all the lowdown and the great projects that she's doing. And you can you can support the Kickstarter. Just visit our website, www.heritageradionetwork.org. There's a link on the right side. 100% of the funds that you donate to the Kickstarter will be used for the website rebuild. So you're really investing in yourself and in the future of great food media. So want to give it a shout for that and say thanks for the great show, guys. You know, I have to say, thanks, when I God. heard that uh, thing from Aaron, uh, that uh, hosts would have their own page and, like, my best website for me is going to be on HRN, I thought that was really... That's awesome. I felt empowered as a host, uh, you know, or co-host of the main course. I was just like... That's awesome, and that they'll help curate it and produce it. Like I just feel Thank- like honored to be yeah. a part of it. That's awesome. I can't wait. Um, do support that um, campaign. Um, just you know, a little bit. Any any bit helps. And uh, check it out. Um, tell your friends too. Thanks so much, uh, Patrick. Thanks everyone at Heritage. And check out the Carnivores Manifesto. Get your hands on this great book. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. Ooh, I like the way you do. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.